Just Man's the podcast. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Just Man's the Podcast. If you guys are new here, welcome. I'm so glad to have you. It's a solo episode today. It's just me on the podcast. I feel like I haven't done one of these in a while. And honestly, I just, it felt right. I'm currently sitting in my chair, my new chair in my living room with a baby monitor right next to me. This is new for me. This is the first podcast that I'm recording solo without anyone here to watch Lennox, and it feels really weird, but I kind of feel like a boss mom right now because he's in the other room napping, put him down, he's doing great. Oh, I can see him moving on the on the monitor. Honestly, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't swaddle him, so if there's any indication of him maybe rolling around, I got I to gotta run. I got to dip. <laughs> But this baby monitor is great because I can see everything that he's doing. He's just moving around. Let's see. You going to put yourself back to bed, bub? You guys, he is four weeks old actually today when I'm recording this podcast and he can literally almost roll over on his own. And I was told that that's like a three month milestone. This, this little dude is so strong. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I have to record this for Instagram. So when this episode goes live, I can show you guys what what I'm talking about legs up in the air binky out mouth moving I will say trying to navigate this mom life and work life has been a huge adjustment and I really have not fully figured it out yet I really have not even tried to fully figure it out yet because when I'm alone is my time to really get my work done because Lucas isn't here and I can focus But also, now that I have a baby, it's like I have to really base my work around when he wants to feed, when he wants to sleep, and most of the time during the day, he sleeps on me or he needs to be held upright for 30 minutes after a feeding. And so a lot of the time, my hands are not free to really do work. So I really have not mastered work life and mom life yet. I'm trying. Today's like my first day really trying and... Honestly, I have like 30 minutes to record this podcast, so I'm really hoping that he goes back to bed because then he has to feed, but I hear him, and I don't know if you guys hear him. Okay, hold on. I need to to go be a mom. So he's been doing this thing where he's been getting really overtired and fighting his daytime naps, and he'll like drift off and kind of fall asleep, but then only stay asleep for like literally 20 minutes, if even 10 minutes maybe. And I think it's because he has really bad gas. He's been having really, really bad gas lately, like massive farts every single time he wakes up. Um, And I think it's just uncomfortable being on his back. So if I hold him, he's fine. But if I put him down, he fusses. So I'm I'm on the lookout for a good probiotic for him. I forgot to grab one today when I was at the store, but I'm on the lookout for a good one. So if you guys are listening and you're new mamas or you've been a mom and you gave your kid probiotics to help with gas... Please recommend me a brand because I'm on the lookout. You gotta love podcasting and being able to edit because that intro was recorded two hours ago because I finally got Lennox down for a nap before he has his nighttime feed and then goes to bed because he wanted to feed around 5 p.m. and then literally 
just fed for like two hours and would not go to sleep because he was so hungry. I think he's going through a growth spurt, but that is besides the point. I'm not here to give you guys a play-by-play of my newborn, my four-week-old newborn. I am here to talk about postpartum. If you're like me, you either think about postpartum one of two ways. You think about it in terms of postpartum illness, or you think about it as simply just the period that happens when a woman gives birth, that she's just in postpartum. But you don't really think too much in depth of what the postpartum period really is. And honestly, I did not think too much of it before I got pregnant and really until my last month of pregnancy. So if you're like me and really did not give postpartum much thought, I wanted to do a whole episode on postpartum and kind of get you guys thinking about it as, you know, an extension of one's pregnancy journey as quote unquote, the fourth trimester. And as a time where we focus as much on the mom as we do on the baby, because when you have a baby, everybody's attention goes straight to the baby. You know, during pregnancy, everything's about you which I love. And maybe that's why I loved pregnancy. (laughs) But when you have a baby, everyone immediately, when you walk through the door, goes straight to the baby. They ask how the baby is. They ask what the baby likes to do, what the routine is, how he's been. They rarely check up on you. And I just wanted to do a whole episode on postpartum and how it's been for me and just share some resources and some tips for other mamas or people who want to be pregnant and have a baby in the future because I think it's really important to really start acknowledging postpartum as a period of, you know, focusing on the mother as much as we do on the baby and really checking in with the mom and making sure they're taken care of. You know, it really is the fourth trimester and I will get into more of that later on. But again, I started preparing for postpartum for a good, I would say two to three weeks before I had Lennox. I didn't really give it much thought, like I said, until probably month nine of pregnancy. And then two to three weeks before having him, I really started to kind of get my ducks in a row in terms of postpartum. I don't really know what led me to think about postpartum in terms of another period or an extension of pregnancy. I think it was literally the fact that I was like, oh, my pregnancy is coming to an end. What's next? And I just, I felt this innate desire within me to really research the period post baby because again, it's not something that's really talked about, but also for me, pregnancy and birth, that's a whole journey in itself. But It just didn't make sense to me that the journey of having a baby ended once the baby came out. It it made so much more sense to me that, you know, postpartum is a transitional period. So just like I researched pregnancy, just like I researched labor and delivery, I need to research this time in my life postpartum. I think another reason I really wanted to start researching it the last two to three weeks before having Lennox was because... I was really scared about postpartum illnesses and I was particularly really scared to develop postpartum anxiety because I am someone who's prone to anxiety. I've experienced generalized anxiety in the past and have had a few panic attacks and that is heightened for me when I don't sleep. A lot of my anxiety in the past has been sleep anxiety. Like I can't sleep for a night and then I get anxious about that and then it's a vicious cycle and it literally lasts like a week or two and 
So a lot of my anxiety is sleep deprivation induced. And what is having a baby? It is literally sleep deprivation at its finest. So I just was kind of worried that because I wasn't going to be sleeping a lot and, you know, this is a very transitional moment in my life and there's a lot of hormones involved, I was very nervous about developing postpartum anxiety. And I'll get into how postpartum has been for me later, but I, yeah, I think I just really wanted to dive into researching postpartum because I was scared to develop a postpartum illness. In this episode, I'm going to break down the postpartum period so far and how it's been for me week by week. And I'm also going to answer you guys' Instagram questions because you guys had a lot of questions about not only postpartum, but about the C-section experience and how breastfeeding is going and things like that. So I will get into that at the end. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk about exactly what the postpartum period is and what I did to prepare for it. So like I said, it's considered the fourth trimester, but according to Harvard Health Publishing, postpartum is from birth to 12 weeks. So once you have your baby, it's the period up until 12 weeks postpartum. It's considered a very vulnerable time for mothers. And like I said, this is when a lot of people develop those postpartum illnesses. With breastfeeding and sleep deprivation and emotional and physical changes, relationship changes, psychological changes, hormonal changes, you can imagine it's really a time that women are susceptible to these postpartum illnesses if they don't receive the support and the care that they need. I mean, I'll just share my experience. So I went with an OB and when you go with an OB, you don't get a checkup with them until six weeks postpartum. So for the first six weeks you're kind of just left to fend for yourself. I mean, thank God for Google and thank God for what to expect in the Bump app. And Amelia, shout out Amelia Weiss because we've been chatting back and forth. She was on the podcast a few episodes ago and she had a baby literally like a week after me. So we've been chatting and literally just asking each other, is this normal? This is what my my baby does. Is this normal? Does your baby do this? So (laughs) shout out Amelia. But yeah, I have not been able to see a doctor and I won't be able to for another two weeks, but thankfully I've had a great recovery and I haven't really needed much support from my doctor because I have support from other people in my life, but a lot of women don't. And this is, this is the time, the, the first 12 weeks after you have a baby that those women who don't receive the care or the support that they really need develop these illnesses. And that's why the postpartum period is deemed the fourth trimester because it really is a transitional period that is a vulnerable period for most women and that we need to really focus on healing and nurturing ourselves and just taking care of ourselves and reaching out to people to support us. I also quickly just want to say, if you're a new mama like me and you're ever struggling, please, please, please talk to someone. You can always call your doctor, even though you don't see them until six weeks. You can talk to a therapist, a friend, a family member. You can always use the Postpartum Support International's helpline too if you are struggling and just need more information. Their number is 1-800-944-4773. That's a great one too if you just want to remain anonymous. Again, the number is 1-800-944-4773. You can even reach out to me because like I said, I'm four weeks postpartum right now 
I'm going through it too. So if you're a new mama and you're going through it, please reach out to me. You're not alone. We are in this together and I would love to chat. All right. So the first thing that I did was I had conversations about postpartum and I voiced my fears. I voiced my thoughts. I voiced my wants and my needs. And I just really made it known to the people that were going to be around me what I wanted during the postpartum period. So I talked to Lucas. I talked to my chiropractor who was also pregnant and has had a kid and has been through it. I, you know, made sure that Lucas and I talked about what it was going to look like when we had the baby and how we were both going to be a team during postpartum. I also talked about boundaries in terms of visitors and guests during postpartum in the first few weeks. I wanted to really make sure that Lucas and I were on the same page about, okay, what visitors are we going to have? What guests are we going to have? I also voiced to Lucas that I was scared about postpartum anxiety and I really wanted to create a nurturing, peaceful, restful space during postpartum because I wanted to really mitigate any kind of postpartum illness that I could. The next thing that I did was I read the book, The First 40 Days. This book was so helpful for me and it was recommended by my chiropractor, Maggie, who I also had on the podcast a few episodes back. And it was amazing. Not only is it filled with great insight on the postpartum period and kind of just goes way more in depth. It's a great resource if you're trying to learn about the postpartum period, but it also shares so many incredibly nourishing and healing recipes, whether you have a vaginal birth or a C-section. There are so many good recipes in here that I really think you guys should all check out if you're a new mom because, again, postpartum is a time for healing, but especially internally in your body, you want to be nourishing your body with good, healthy foods, and these foods are so, so nourishing. Speaking of food and nourishing foods, the next thing that I did was I participated in a meal train. So Dr. Maggie actually reached out to me and set up this meal train with me and I believe four or five other women. And basically what it is, is a group of women coming together and cooking meals for each other when they have their babies. So all of these women are pregnant currently, and I was the first one to give birth. And then I think they're all giving birth over the course from September me to maybe March or February. I don't know, sometime early spring next next year. But yeah, it was just a group of us that they basically all cooked meals for me and they left it outside of my door. And it was just a great way to not have to think about where my next meal was coming and just feel supported by a group of women who, you know, I never even met. Like that's the cool thing is if you reach out to people in your community and say you know one or two other people that are pregnant but then they know other people women who are going through the same thing as you are so eager to help out and so eager to show their support because at the end of the day you treat people the way that you want to be treated and everybody wants support so I will return that favor of cooking a meal for each and every one of those women who dropped off food for me when they give birth to their baby but I really highly recommend you if you're pregnant to look into a meal train or gather gather some of your close girlfriends who are pregnant and have them participate in a meal train with you because it's so so helpful it literally provided like three to four meals for both lucas and i so it was really really key I also shared a lot of those recipes from the first 40 days book with my mom and I had her 
literally batch a bunch of those stews and soups so that I could just take them and stick them in my freezer and then use them for whenever I wanted postpartum. And actually I'm having one for dinner tonight. So this has lasted me four weeks. So my mom, shout out Amy. She is amazing and she's been the best throughout this whole postpartum period. So helpful. She comes over, does our laundry, does our dishes, vacuums. She's just the best. She made me a bunch of meals and it was super helpful. So again, if you're pregnant and maybe the meal train thing wasn't for you, I would definitely recommend having one or two people, whether it's your mom or a friend, cook meals for you pre-birth and then bring them to your house so that you can freeze them because you're going to want something that's just quick and also healthy and nourishing postpartum. Reaching out to somebody to cook you meals will definitely help you eliminate the urge to want to order food out, which we all know is not the healthiest because whenever I order food out, it's like Thai food, like greasy, salty Thai food, you know? It's not, it's not like nourishing bone broth soups. The last thing that I did to prepare for postpartum was look into getting my placenta encapsulated and actually I got it encapsulated and I'm not really going to speak a lot about this yet because I don't really know if it's helped me. I will say it hasn't harmed me because I feel like four weeks postpartum, I, you know, knock on wood, my hormones are really starting to level out more and I'm not as emotional or it's not as like a roller coaster of emotions anymore it's more leveled and that could have something to do with the placenta encapsulations, but I'm not going to speak on that yet because I would rather, you know, give it a little bit more time before I really like talk about it and like praise it. But yeah, that was something that I did was I wanted to get my placenta encapsulated just because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that really swear by it in terms of helping women get through the postpartum period and mitigate postpartum illnesses. All right, let's get into how postpartum has been for me so far. So again, I'm four weeks postpartum and I just want to kind of break it down week by week. So first week, a lot of crying, a lot of roller coaster of emotions. Like my emotions were on 100, you guys. I was crying because I loved my baby so much. I was crying because motherhood is freaking hard. I was crying for no reason. I would be crying one minute and then be super freaking happy the next and then literally cry 30 minutes later. Like it was just so up and down. And I think the one thing that really struck me as surprising the most was I was crying sometimes not even because I was sad. Like I would cry because I was so happy. And I feel like when you hear about women being emotional postpartum, you always hear about it in the, in terms of postpartum depression or baby blues and you associate that with being sad. And for me, no, I, I would cry sometimes because I was so freaking complete and happy and in love. I mean, don't get me wrong. I cried because motherhood is freaking hard. I cried because breastfeeding is hard. I cried because I was mourning my previous life and I was like, my baby is literally tethered to my boob and I cannot leave my house. I cried because I was sad, absolutely. But I think what really surprised me was how all of the, the emotions, the good, the bad, the sad, the happy, the excited, the emotional, whatever, all of these emotions expressed themselves through crying, which was really new for me because I'm not really like a happy crier. This was also when I realized that the sleep deprivation was going to be a real thing. Everyone tells you 
when you're pregnant to sleep while you can. And then when you give birth, they say, sleep when the baby sleeps. If you are not a napper like me, if you cannot nap for shit during the daytime, this is like the worst thing to hear because I totally, totally, totally would encourage people to sleep when their baby sleeps during the day, but I'm not that person that can do that. So the sleep deprivation was real. Luckily, I have a baby who in the beginning was really sleeping like three to four hour stretches at night. I was waking him up every... I would say four hours at night, maybe three for the first week because I wanted to, you know, help him get up to his birth weight. And then once he did, we stopped waking him up during the night and let him wake us up. But yeah, the sleep deprivation after waking your baby up every three hours and then breastfeeding around the clock and just being tired from birth in general, like it is real the first week and I am happy to say four weeks postpartum, it does get better. You will have intermittent good days where you're like, oh my gosh, I got eight hours combined and I feel great. Or like I actually was able to nap for an hour or two and I feel great and that's awesome. But I will say too, like I remember someone told me, because <laughs> I, I reached out on Instagram to you guys like I always do and I was like, please tell me that the sleep deprivation goes away. Like I'll be able to sleep better and feel rested again. And someone was like, I don't know if you just get used to it or if it gets better. And I totally, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's the last thing I want to hear because I want to be told that I'm going to be able to sleep well again. But I totally agree with it now. Like, I think I'm just, my body has gotten used to running off of five to seven hours of sleep instead of eight to nine like I used to get. So I will say like, the sleep deprivation the first four weeks, I mean, it's still hard and I'm sure it's going to be hard still for the probably the first year of his life. But like right now I'm feeling pretty good. And I think it's because my body has just kind of gotten used to it. Oh, I also think that week one was when I really realized that you can get so caught up in your baby and not that Lucas and I ever had an issue or didn't really communicate because we always communicate like we're just really honest and love to talk. So that's not an issue in our relationship. But I do remember when we got home, there was one night where I turned to Lucas and I was just like, do you still like me? Like, are we still friends? (laughs) Because all of our focus and all of our attention was on the baby. And when we weren't focused and attentive to the baby, we were on our phones or we were watching TV and we just didn't really have a moment yet from since the birth to really just like, just like have a conversation, just us two not about the baby. I just think it's important to really prioritize communication because I think it's super easy to let it kind of dip. And I think it's super normal to let communication dip when you just had a baby because you're adjusting to this new normal. But again, I'm just putting my two cents in and just kind of like a little reminder in the back of your head. If you are a new mom and you and your partner are lacking your communication for the first week, I think it's normal. But also I would encourage you guys to like acknowledge that and be like, hey, I know that this is normal, that we're not really communicating like we used to, but let's try. Week two was kind of when I started to get antsy. I am a go, go, go type of person. I love to work out. That's like my outlet. I love to podcast. That's my outlet. I love to blog. I love to YouTube. I love to just work and be doing things and I don't really like to be cooped up in the house. Well, actually, hold on. I do like being in my house because I like to work from home. And especially since 
COVID, I mean, I used to love working at coffee shops, but now I really, really value my home and working from home. And I really value the environment that I've created in my home. But I will say being home and not working because I gave myself like three weeks off of work, being home and not working and just, again, having my baby be tethered to my boob, breastfeeding around the clock, sitting on the couch, doing nothing, that got old for me really fast and I felt a little stir crazy. Like later on, I know I'm going to look back and be like, wow, that was a great blissful moment of my life because when did I ever get to just like chill on the couch for like two weeks straight and not feel bad about it? But yeah, that was hard for me for, you know, the first three weeks and it's, it's getting, I'm getting to the point where I'm able to like go out more and go on walks more and just do more things and work more and have more of that creative outlet. But yeah, for the first couple of weeks, I was definitely, you know, feeling a little stir crazy. And I think it was really hard for me to sit still and just be a mom. I also really struggled with breastfeeding during week two. So week one, I don't really think that I quote unquote struggled with breastfeeding because I was using the nipple shield and I didn't think that I was struggling because I felt like it was something that I did need during that time. So I didn't think that, you know, I didn't put too much pressure on myself to not be using it because I was told by the lactation consultant that some women use it for two weeks, some women use it forever. Um, and I really was just giving myself a week and my baby a week to really just get used to breastfeeding. And I wasn't thinking too harshly about the nipple shield. However, when week two rolled around, I was really like, okay, this is crunch time. Like, I don't want to have to use this nipple shield 24-7. I want to be able to go out and about during the day with my baby and just literally be at brunch or be on a hike or be shopping or whatever. I want to be able to just like whip out my tit and not have to you know, get a nipple inverter, which is something that brings out your nipple to make the baby latch better. I don't want to have to get the nipple shield. I don't want to have to worry about the positioning because the nipple shield will fall off and I'm in, if I'm feeding in a certain position. Like, it was just a hassle and such a nuisance and I really wanted to nip that in the butt. So, I think week two was really hard for me because I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to wean my baby off of the nipple shield and I was getting a little disheartened because he was fussing at my boob if I didn't use the shield. So literally when your baby cries at your nipple and like isn't latching, that's like the most defeating feeling in the world. And honestly, I thought about quitting breastfeeding every single fucking day the first two weeks. But I'm so glad that I stuck stuck with it and I hung in there because now he breastfeeds like a champ and latching is not an issue. But latching was the biggest issue in the first two weeks. And Again, I think a lot of the struggle for me was my mind and the fact that I was being hard on myself on like, okay, it's been two weeks. He needs to be off this nipple shield. I was just really determined. And in some ways, I'm really happy that I was determined because I got him to, you know, be able to breastfeed without the shield. But in in other ways, I wish I was just a little bit easier on myself because there were definitely days where I felt super, super down and just not in a good place. Other breastfeeding struggles that I feel like people don't talk about as, as much as they should is um, you leak everywhere during the first two weeks. Like I actually, no, during like the first, 
I still leak everywhere, but I will say during the first two weeks, I leaked like crazy. Like if I didn't have the haka on one of my boobs or if I didn't have like a breast pad, like a nursing pad on the boob that I wasn't feeding on while I was feeding on the other boob, forget it. Like I'm talking you do like three to four alpha alpha changes a day. Like it's insane. Also, you get milk all over your baby. So if I were you, I really recommend just feeding your baby with naked with just a diaper on because you're going to get milk all over their clothes too. But yeah. I leaked everywhere and that was more so just like a laundry problem, just like annoying and frustrating because I didn't want to have to keep changing. And also like it gets all over your sheets and you got to change your sheets. And that's the last thing that you want to do when you just had a baby. I would also say that week two was when I started to think that I could do more than I actually could. And I'm speaking solely based on my experience of having a C-section when they tell you, you know, you're going to feel like you can do more than you can and just rest for the first, you know, they say rest for six weeks, but like seriously for the first two to three weeks, don't do anything. Like don't walk, don't do anything. I mean, walk around the house because that's good for you, but like don't go on walks like I did. (laughs) I went on a walk with Lucas literally I don't even want to say it was a mile. Like it was probably only 0.7 miles. Yeah, it was literally like around our little courtyard behind our apartment and then just like to the leasing office and back. And the next day I bled like crazy, like so much vaginal bleeding and I was really feeling it. So when they say rest and take it easy, seriously listen really really sit and rest and recover for the first two weeks at least because you're gonna want to do more you're gonna think you have energy you're gonna think that you feel good but I'm telling you the next day you're gonna feel it I would say week three is when I started to really feel like myself again so in terms of recovery for c-section in terms of hormones and emotions leveling out I think it was definitely kind of the moment where I realized like oh, okay, like I, I, I will get through this, you know, because in the beginning, man, I'm telling you, like breastfeeding for me was really, really hard in the beginning. And so was the sleep deprivation. And there were moments where I was like, am I ever going to fucking feel normal again? And I will say week three was when I started to feel like little glimpses of like, oh yeah, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I like. This is, this is me, you know, because I feel like it's, it's really easy to not feel like yourself in the beginning. Week four, baby. That's where I am right now. And I'll just say as of right now, I feel like I'm finally getting into kind of a groove. And the the reason I say kind of a groove is because I definitely have not figured out a routine yet. Like I still don't have a daily, weekly routine of this is what I'm doing for my podcast, my blog, my YouTube. This is, you know, this is when I feed Lennox. This is when I put Lennox down for a nap. Like I still have not figured out that. And I don't really think that I will until like he's probably two months old. And I'm really not putting pressure on myself too. Luckily I work from home and I can just kind of be flexible with my time and what I do. But I have the desire to start developing a routine, you know, which is a good, a good feeling because in the beginning I was like, shit, am I ever going to want to work again? Like, am I ever going to have the energy to Am I ever going to have the energy to like balance being a mom and and feeding him and changing his diaper and putting him down for for naps and also recording podcasts and doing all that? And the answer is yes. I'm finally at the point where 
I want to start getting back into my work and I want to start doing things. So that's a good feeling. And that's where I'm at right now. Before I wrap this episode up and hopefully before Lennox wakes up, let's, let's hope that he gives me at least another 15 minutes. I wanted to answer you guys' Instagram questions all about postpartum, my birth experience, and just a whole lot more about having a baby. The first question is, how do you keep a positive slash happy mind through all of the change? I don't think I do. And I think that's important. I don't think that you should be positive or happy all of the time in a period of your life where there's massive change. I think it's important to feel your emotions and part of massive change is, you know, for a lot of people feeling sad emotions or feeling not positive. And I think I'm allowing myself the space to feel that way. And so I think it's a lot easier to be happy and be optimistic and be positive when I let myself feel those negative emotions and I know that they're, they're fleeting and I know that they pass. Um, I also just really like change. I have always liked change. So I'm viewing this more of like a season of my life and not like, you know, when I have those negative thoughts or I have bad days or I have some baby blues, like I don't think about it in terms of like, this is going to last forever. I think about it in terms of like, well, you know, I just had a baby and my hormones are on a hundred and this is just kind of normal, you know? Like I, I think I just give myself the grace to feel the emotions and know that they're fleeting and know that this is just a season of life and it will pass like all seasons do. And again, I just really like change. I view it as a challenge. And so, you know, being a new mom, I don't know if you guys can hear him squirming in the background, but he's squirming. Being a new mom is a challenge, even even though it's a massive change and I really, really enjoy it so far. So that's just that's basically how I keep a happy and positive mind. I'm I'm genuinely enjoying where my where I'm at in life, even though it's hard sometimes. So I think if you're going through, you know, postpartum and you're a new mom, I think it's really important to soak up the really, really good moments and the the you know, the times where your baby makes the most adorable faces at you and falls asleep on your chest and snuggles you and is learning and you can see or recognizes your voice. And I think it's just really important to count those moments and really, really soak them up because that's, that's what makes, you know, the hard times really worth it. The next question is how is recovery going after a C-section? I would say my recovery is going really, really great. I would say other than, you know, around week two where I thought I could do it all um, and go for a walk and then like go for a long drive and see the fall foliage and walk through the trees. Like I think besides that and then bleeding immensely after like the next day, I think besides that, I have really let myself rest and recover. Like this is the first time in my life I don't think that I've worked out in over a month like I have really just been sitting still and not doing much and giving myself time to recover and so my recovery has been really great my incision is healing really really nicely it's you know gone down in terms of like color it's not as dark anymore and it doesn't look as gnarly anymore um but it's it's pretty swollen still and it does feel sore sometimes still um, it feels kind of numb sometimes and I, and I can't really do much heavy lifting or, you know, pushing and pulling or 
you know, I just can't rough it up yet. <laughs> I'm not like a hundred percent back to normal. I don't think I will be anytime soon, but recovery is going really great. You know, I can walk, I can do things around the house. I can carry my baby. I can nurse my baby, my baby. It hasn't hindered like my functionality in terms of my, my day-to-day life other than not being able to work out. That goes into the next question, which is, is it difficult to exercise with healing? So whether you have a vaginal birth or a C-section, you can't work out or do any kind of exercise for the first six weeks. So at six weeks postpartum, you go to your checkup and then you're cleared to work out, to have sex, to take a bath, that kind of stuff. It's not difficult to work out because you can't work out right now. Well, I can't work out right now, but it is difficult to not work out because I love working out. I will say you can go on walks. Like my doctor encouraged me to go on walks every single day, whether that's literally like walking to go grab your mail or walking around the block. Like you can walk, just don't walk three miles, four miles, like really, you know, ease up. So somebody asked me if I got stretch marks during pregnancy and what I did to help them if I did. I really didn't. I would say I got stretch marks kind of on the back slash side of my butt. So like right above my butt, lower back area, more towards the sides. I got a few. And I think honestly, they most of them went away. They were more like darker ones instead of light white kind of scarry looking ones. Um, they kind of looked more like veins. So I got a few of those and I think they're still there, but they've definitely faded. And then in terms of stretch marks on my belly, I didn't get any. I got some stretch marks underneath my boobs. So like the under boob area, I got some stretch marks and those actually went away for the most part. But yeah, in terms of my belly, I didn't get any stretch marks and I will tell you what I did, but I think a lot of what stretch marks are and why you get them is hereditary. My mom never got stretch marks during pregnancy. So I think that's just my genes that I didn't get them either. Um, I don't know if that's the case for everybody. I'm not saying like it's hereditary, like 100%, but that's just kind of what I think happened for me. Um, But I did lather my belly in shea butter, rosehip oil, and coconut oil. I put all of the oils on my body, like all the time. I would say mostly most, I would, I did it every night. And then I would say most mornings. Um, yeah, I just lathered it up. And I think maybe it had something to do with with the fact that I was pregnant during summer. So it was more moist and more hot in terms of like a really harsh, cold, dry winter, which is worse for your skin. So yeah, I didn't struggle with stretch marks. Um, I know that a lot of people do and they probably have better resources for you in terms of what you can do to help with that. But yeah, I definitely would recommend shea butters and coconut oils and rosehip oils, all of the oils, just lather them on. I'm not going to say that did the trick for me escaping stretch marks on my belly, but use all the oils. Someone asked, were you awake during the C-section? And yes, I was. I know that some people can ask to be put under and then some people also have to be put under if like they have medical issues or their blood pressure drops during the procedure, whatever. But no, I was awake the whole time. The next question is, do they give you pain medication after the surgery? Because of the surgery. Yeah. Do they give you pain medication? And they do. So you can, they gave me the option of having an oxycodone. I think that's what it was. 
every day. So like one a day um, if my pain was really bad or they would just cycle through Tylenol and Advil like every four to six hours. Or I think, no, it was Motrin in, in Advil. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Motrin in, in Advil every single, every single like four hours, four to six hours. Um, so yeah, those were the pain medications. I took an Oxy, I think three days. So one every one for three days. And then they also just cycled through the Motrin and the Advil. And then post hospital, I actually didn't take any medication. So they prescribed me like five Oxy pills and then also Motrin and Advil, but I never got it filled. I I think part of that was just laziness. I didn't want to leave the house and Lucas didn't want to leave the house either. Like we just didn't really want to go get that. Um, I didn't also need it that much. I don't, I think I stopped taking pain medications completely like seven days postpartum. Yeah. Seven days post-surgery. I was off all pain medications in terms of like Advil and Motrin. I just, I just didn't need it. I don't know. The last question that I'm going to answer is what does it feel like to breastfeed? This is actually a really awesome question because I feel like I always wondered this before I started to breastfeed. So breastfeeding in terms of like physical literally just feels like tugging, like a slight pulling and tugging on your nipple, but you don't really feel it solely on the nipple. Breastfeeding is breastfeeding. It's not nipple feeding. So your baby should have a really deep latch that basically engulfs most of your areola too. So you feel a lot on your areola, but you also just feel tugging and a little bit of pulling on your nipple. Um, and it feels like sucking, but it shouldn't be painful or uncomfortable. And if it is, then you need to get your latch like looked at by a lactation consultant. So yeah, it just feels like slight tugging and pulling. And it's also a really magical feeling, like a super, super bonding feeling with you and your baby. I remember the first time that I gave Lennox a bottle, well, Lucas gave Lennox a bottle. I was sitting there like, wait, I don't like this because he's not feeding from me. Like I want him to feed on my boob. Like that's, that's our thing. You know, like I just was like, whoa, nope, don't like the bottle. Breastfeeding is a huge bonding experience and it's so beautiful. And it's just like to know that you're, you are nourishing your baby. Your baby is literally surviving because of your milk that your body is producing. Like it's, you are still his lifeline. Like it's just the most incredible feeling in the world. All right, you guys. Well, I'm super shocked that I was able to get this podcast episode recorded in like less than four hours. Lennox is still sleeping like a champ and I'm about to make some dinner and then wake him up to feed and then we're both going to go to bed. I think I freaking nailed this, guys. I think I really nailed my first solo day trying to record a podcast. We had a really, a, a little bit of a rocky start, but you know, the execution in the end was great. As always, you guys can find me on Instagram at JustMans. You can find me on my blog, JustMans.com. You can also find me on YouTube, just Amanda DeMarco. And always, always, always leave a rating and review. It really, really helps people find my show and just allows other people to join our little community and, you know, makes me happy. <laughs> like seriously, I'm such a nerd. Like when I see a new review, I get so giddy. It makes my whole day. So 
please keep leaving your ratings and reviews. I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you guys in the next episode.